Psalm 150, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What is praise? The Hebrew title for the book of Psalms means praise. In the context that we're talking about, praise is to honor and ascribe worth to God. The Bible does not make a strong distinction between praise, thanksgiving, and worship. These terms are used interchangeably at times even. We can consider them really expressions of one another. Thanksgiving is an expression of praise and worship. Praise is an expression of thanksgiving and worship. Worship is expressed through praise and thanksgiving. So we don't need to be hung up on the terms here, but we're talking about praise, worship, thanksgiving today. Uh, But in particular, we're using the word praise as it's expressed in this psalm. Thomas Watson said, In prayer, we act like men. In praise, we act like angels. He was making the distinction that when we pray, we are often focused on what we need and want. We can really be self-centered and earthbound in our prayers, can't we? In contrast, when we are praising God, we are occupied with the same thing that the angels are occupied with. The Lord praise is all about Him rather than us. Our focus is not on ourself and this temporal world, but it's on the eternal God who has given us every good thing and to whom we owe everything. There are benefits to praising God. Some of the ones that come to mind for us are praising God puts everything else in our life in perspective. When we occupy our mind with the greatness of God, then our troubles and our difficulties are put underneath Him. When what was overwhelming and filling us with fear and worry is seen in comparison to the one we are worshiping and depending on, then those things are not so big anymore, are they? Those terrifying monsters are revealed to be minnows in comparison to the Lord. Someone might ask, though, well, how can I praise the Lord when bad things are happening in my life? Well, as just mentioned, when we choose to praise the Lord, we are filling our mind with the greatness of God rather than the bad stuff. And the bad stuff then diminishes in size and influence. If we will remember the ultimate good that the Lord has promised to accomplish in our life, Even through the bad stuff, we can honestly praise the Lord in the midst of the bad things. Remember that incredible promise that we have in Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. It's possible to praise the Lord even with tears in our eyes and with a broken heart when we remember what He has promised to do for us. Psalm 126.5 says, Those who sow with tears will reap 
with songs of joy. Praising the Lord, even in the midst of the bad stuff, is not living in denial of reality. Rather, it's trusting in the promises of the Lord. Remember, praising the Lord in all circumstances of our life is rooted in two very important truths. The first one is God is in control of all things. And second, God gives purpose to everything in our life. Another benefit of praising God is that praising God gets our eyes off of ourselves. We're reminded that it's not all about me. Moving ourselves out of the center position, moving us out of the center of the world, it's a benefit for everyone, including ourselves. See, no offense, but no one wants you as the center of the world. And no one wants me as the center of the world. Things always work best when the Lord is the center of the world. We can't, remember, we, we can't really be Christ-like in our thinking and our behaving until we're not self-centered, but rather Christ-centered. So if we desire to be like Jesus, and I believe all of us here want that, or we wouldn't even be here today, then we need to work toward becoming increasingly Christ-centered rather than self-centered. And praising God is an important part of doing that. M.R. Dahan said, If we would talk more about the Lord and praise Him, we would have less time to talk about ourselves. Third, praising God refreshes our soul. It lifts our spirit and it helps us overcome discouragement and depression and discontent. We're reminded of how good the Lord is and how much He loves us. I think of Psalm 63.3 where it says, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Well, we're taking a look at Psalm 150 today. So if you have your Bible, make your way over to Psalm 150. It's the very last psalm in the book of Psalms. The major theme for Psalm 150, if you haven't figured it out yet, is praising the Lord. The word praise, it occurs 13 times in this short psalm of only six verses. The psalm can be broken down as follows. Verse 1 answers where the Lord is to be praised. Verse 2 answers why the Lord is to be praised. Verses 3 through 5 answer how the Lord is to be praised. And verse 6 answers who is to praise the Lord. So verse 1 of Psalm 150, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise the Lord. This phrase, which also appears at the very end of verse 6, it's a translation of the Hebrew, hallelujah. Hallel translates into English as praise, and Yah is the shortened form of Yahweh, which we translate as Lord. So together it becomes hallelujah, or praise the Lord. Where the Lord is to be praised. Following the opening command to praise the Lord, this verse tells us where the Lord is to be praised. And it says, 
Praise the Lord in His sanctuary. This is probably a reference to the temple in Jerusalem, which was where the people of Israel gathered to worship the Lord in those days. And it says, praise Him in His mighty heavens. The mighty heavens is all of the realm of existence, which is not earth and not His sanctuary here on earth. So taken together, this encompasses really all of reality, all of existence, all realms, both physical and spiritual. The Lord is to be praised everywhere. Now, I think it's interesting to consider that followers of Jesus, people who have been born again spiritually in Him, Christians, are called in 2 Corinthians 6.16, the temple of the living God. You, Christian, are called the temple of of the living God. In 1 Corinthians 3.13, we're told that we are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in us. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, it tells us that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in us. Ephesians 2.22 tells us that all the followers of Jesus Christ are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. In other words, we're His sanctuary, His temple. 1 Peter 2.5 tells us that we are like living stones being built into a spiritual house. Again, we are the Lord's sanctuary, His temple. Think about that. We who are believers are the sanctuary of the Lord, His temple in which He dwells. So because we are His sanctuary, His temple, we are to praise the Lord everywhere we are. We are to praise Him in us at all times. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that that openly profess His name. Verse 2 answers why the Lord is to be praised. It says, praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Similar to the way that verse 1 uses language to encompass all realms to say that the Lord is to be praised everywhere, verse 2 uses language to say that the Lord is to be praised for everything. Praise Him for His acts of power. This refers to everything the Lord has ever done, is doing, and will do. It includes the incredible act of creation itself, which brought this whole universe into existence. All of the stars, all of the planets, our earth, all of the many living things, including ourselves, and the indescribable beauty that surrounds us and fills this planet. It includes the many things that He's done for us, both corporately and individually. It includes the miracle of our salvation from sin and death, as well as the tiny personal miracles that He's done for each one of us that no one else even knows about. These and more are all His acts of power. It says, praise Him for His surpassing greatness. This includes all that the Lord is, His omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence, eternal nature, holiness, sovereignty, grace, love, justice, truth, compassion, wisdom, goodness, patience, mercy. The Lord is to be praised for who He is and what He has done. 
If we flip over to Psalm 145, this psalm, it amplifies the ideas in this verse. Psalm 145, beginning in verse 3, the psalmist writes this, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends his works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all He promises and faithful in all He does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and faithful in all He does. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise His holy name forever and ever. John Calvin said, There is not one blade of grass, there is no color in this world that, has not, that is not intended to make us rejoice. The Lord has filled our world and our lives with endless reasons to praise Him. Verses 3-5 through of Psalm 150 answer the question of how the Lord is to be praised. It says, praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. So the answer to how the Lord is to be praised, the Lord is to be praised with everything we are and with everything we have. If you have a trumpet, use it to praise the Lord. If you have a harp or a lyre, praise the Lord with it. If you have a timbrel, it says use it to praise the Lord. If you can dance, praise the Lord by doing that. If you have strings or pipes or cymbals or drums, praise the Lord with them. The instruments mentioned in these verses, they're not familiar to most of us. These are ancient world musical instruments used in Israel at that time. The point is not that these are the approved and appropriate instruments to be used to praise the Lord. Instead, the point is that whatever instruments and means available to you and me should be used to praise the Lord. If you have an electric guitar, praise the Lord with it. If you have a piano, a harmonica, a kazoo, hands for clapping, use them to praise the Lord. 
I want us to know that dancing is included in this list of ways to express praise to the Lord. An example of that that illustrates this very thing is the story told in 2 Samuel 6. You might remember when David and the people of Israel were bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem. And it describes this grand procession of bringing the ark into the city with all kinds of musical instruments playing and the people praising God. And it says in 2 Samuel 6, 14 that David was dancing before the Lord, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might. When was the last time you danced before the Lord as an act of praise? Might be something you want to try. The Lord made us in His image, giving us the ability to create and express ourselves in all kinds of ways. The full breadth of your creative abilities can be used to worship and praise the Lord. Music, singing, dancing, writing, acting, painting, sculpture, drawing, quilting, glass blowing, woodworking, gardening. I mean, the list is endless. The ways in which we can praise the Lord are limited only by our imagination and God's Word. Whatever you do, whatever is your thing, use it as an act of worship and praise. Our whole life ought to be an act of worship and praise. Romans 12.1 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Let's take a look at this for, for just a moment. It says, in view of God's mercy, here is the motivation for worshiping God. His mercy that He's extended to us. You know, in ancient religions, people, they would offer their sacrifices to the deity in an attempt to obtain His mercy. But we don't do that. We offer our sacrifice to God in response to the mercy that He's already poured out upon us. We don't come trembling before God, afraid that He'll blow us into a billion bits if we don't offer homage to Him. We don't come crawling up to His altar, terrified of this awesome being that sits high upon His throne, looking down at these pathetic worms that we are. There's certainly reason enough for us to tremble before this all-powerful God who could speak us out of existence with a word. But that's not the kind of relationship that God has created for us through Jesus Christ. Instead, we enter into the presence of God to worship Him with full confidence that He loves us and He's given us His all in order for us to know Him personally. It says to offer your bodies. Our whole self is being asked for as a living sacrifice. God doesn't want just our toe or our finger. He doesn't just want our Sunday morning. He wants everything we are all the time. He's given His all to us in giving us His Son, Jesus Christ. It's only reasonable that He would expect our whole self in return. It says to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. 
the sacrifice being talked about here, it's not the kind of sacrifice that was offered to pay for sin. It's not the kind of sacrifice that was given once and then it ceased to exist, being consumed by the flames of the altar fire. Rather, the sacrifice being talked about here is a living sacrifice, it says, which continues to be offered as an act of worship and praise and thanksgiving. See, God is not asking us to die for Him, but to live for Him. Jesus Christ already did the dying. We're called to live for Him. A living sacrifice. Says this kind of worship, this kind of sacrifice, this kind of praise, it's holy and it's pleasing to God. We are made holy and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. The offer of ourself as a living sacrifice to God. It's holy and pleasing to Him as an act of worship because of Jesus Christ. Finally, it says, this is your true and proper worship. The Greek word translated into English as true and proper, it's also translated into English as reasonable or rational. And some English translations actually translate it as spiritual. This is your spiritual act of worship. The word means being true to the essential nature of a thing. It's genuine, authentic, pure, true, as expected. You might remember the story in John 4 of the conversation that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman at the well. And she asked Jesus about the appropriate place to worship God. And Jesus told her this in John 4.21. He said, woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We Jews worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth, the giving of our life as a living sacrifice to God in response to His mercy is the kind of worship that the Father seeks and finds pleasing. This is a spiritual, true, genuine, authentic act of worship. We don't worship God as an attempt to get something from Him or to make Him obligated to us in some way or to try to manipulate Him in some way. Instead, we worship Him as a response to His overwhelming goodness to us and simply because He deserves to be worshipped. Finally, verse 6 of Psalm 150, it says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So it answers the question, who is to praise the Lord? Praising the Lord is not to be done only by human beings. Everything that breathes is called to praise the Lord. And in fact, praising the Lord is not to be done only by everything that breathes, but by everything, everywhere. Do you remember the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem at the beginning of the Passion Week, which has come to be known as Palm Sunday. Remember, Paul, people were lining both sides of the street, laying palm branches and their cloaks down 
on the road, creating a royal road for Jesus to enter the city as he was riding in on a donkey colt. And people, they were praising God, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And while all this was going on, this worship and praise as Jesus is coming in, it said that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they, they told Jesus, make the people stop. Stop saying that. Stop doing that. But Jesus said to them that if the people kept quiet, the very stones would cry out, praising God. Flip over to Psalm 148. This psalm amplifies the ideas in this verse. Everything and everyone is to praise the Lord. It says, beginning in verse 1, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do His bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children, everyone and everything, praise the Lord. So to summarize what this psalm says, it says, praise the Lord everywhere, all the time. Praise the Lord for everything He is and everything He does. Praise the Lord with all you are and all that you have. And finally, everyone and everything, praise the Lord. I want to close with this scene from the vision that the Lord gave John in the book of Revelation. Of everyone, everywhere, praising the Lord. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, John writes, <clears throat> then, I then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be praise 
and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Praise you, Lord. And we thank you for this psalm that reminds us to praise you, Father. You are worthy. The Son is worthy. The Holy Spirit is worthy. We praise you, the great triune God who has spoken the universe into existence and has made each of us and filled our life with peace and joy and purpose, who has rescued us from the depths of despair and sin and death and eternal separation and brought us into the eternal kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ, given us the promise of eternal life and resurrection from the dead. Father, I pray for your people, all of us this week, that we would be filled with praise for you rather than focusing on our problems and our troubles and our whining and our complaining and all of our disappointments. But instead, all of that would be replaced by us being taken up in praise and worship, being reminded again and again of just how awesome you are above all else. Make this so in us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.